Hi, I'm David Freudberg, host of Humankind. I've always been fascinated by the human voice, which experts say is as unique to each person as their fingerprint. In these podcasts, we celebrate the human voice in all its wonderfully diverse forms, young and old, different accents and cultural contexts. Writers sometimes struggle to find their own voice, but you can kind of tell when someone is speaking from a place of authenticity and integrity. That's when I most love listening to voices. Thank you for listening. Humankind is produced in association with WGBH Boston and supported by the Humankind Program Fund. Additional funding for this series has been provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the National Institutes of Health, the Annie E. Casey Foundation, and the Park Foundation. I was going out water skiing, and the next thing I knew, my whole life had changed, and I didn't go home for two months. I was in a burn unit, and I think when anybody sees anybody disfigured or disabled, it's... it's uh, maybe having to look a little bit deep inside themselves and say, oh my God, you know, it could happen to me. How a woman who was severely burned healed her emotional scars and now helps young burn victims find inner beauty. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. react when you see someone who's been badly scarred from a burn injury? Do you feel sympathy or horror or fear? And how do people who've been disfigured in a fire work through their own emotions about physical appearance and self-acceptance? Those weren't questions that Jo Beth Walt had ever given much thought to until one sunny day in 1984 when she and her husband and another couple embarked on one of their favorite activities, a water skiing trip on the Delta near Sacramento, California. We were at the loading dock. We had just finished uh, gassing up the boat, and we, we hadn't pulled away from the dock at that point, but uh, I was uh, leaning over and putting on some sunblock, and I felt something on my left shoulder, and I turned around and I saw fire. And then I turned over to the right, and I saw a lot of smoke, and I saw... Uh, the other woman who was in the uh, accident with me getting off of the boat. So I somehow closed my eyes and kind of crawled across the boat, crawled across the dock, and jumped into the water. And uh, because I closed my eyes, I never really saw myself on fire. Uh, but what I felt when I dove into the water, I just felt a soothing, kind of a sizzling kind of soothing. And when I surfaced uh, from the water, I saw the skin peeled off of my arms, and it was at that point I knew that it was pretty serious. And I went over to the dock, and uh, some people were there, and they came over to help us. They helped me tread water until the firefighters came. Joe Beth looked up at her husband, Mark, whose beard had been singed. He almost died that day from heavy smoke inhalation. But in all the confusion, it was difficult at first to grasp the severity of what had happened. The other woman in the accident, uh, she's, she was a nurse, and she was crying. And I couldn't figure out why she was crying, and I wasn't. 
I remember looking at her thinking, she's crying, and I'm not, so I don't get this. But I thought, we're all okay, therefore, we're going to be fine. You think she appreciated the series? Oh, she knew. She knew. Later on, we had a conversation. She knew exactly what was ahead of us. She, she was a nurse, so she knew about burn units. I mean, I had never thought about burn units or anything about burns at that point. But she knew what, what was ahead for us. And uh, so when we got to the hospital, they separated us. They took uh, my husband, Mark, uh, uh, away immediately. He had to be intubated immediately because he had inhaled some uh, fumes. What I remember was being in the uh, ER waiting and shaking uncontrollably. I could not stop shaking. And that was my body was going, you know, in shock. Joe Beth Walt's day in the hospital was just the beginning of a very long and painful year of physical therapy and recovery. She'd been burned on her chest, back, legs, face, neck, and hand. Today, after four operations, you'd look at this slender brunette with the bright smile and barely notice her scars, but some of them have taken many years to diminish. That long journey has given Jo Beth a depth of understanding that enhances her work at St. Francis Memorial Hospital in San Francisco, where she had once been treated and now as a staff member managing community health, often visits patients in the burn unit. On this day, a 16-year-old boy from Ukiah, California, rests in bed after a stove accident the day before, his eyes too sensitive to open, his hair and eyebrows singed, a tender redness covering his face. So people here would like to talk to you? Hi. How's it going? And how's it going for you? Here, let me get you back up to your idea. How's your face feeling? Okay. How are your eyes? A little sore. Your eyes are sore? Okay. Let's hook you back up here. And I'll, uh, I'll put the compresses back on your eyes. That'll make you feel a little better, okay? Jo Beth knows this scene all too well. She knows the mix of physical agony and emotional fear that burn patients must undergo. I have 38%. I've got a graft up to here and I'm grafted here. I've got some in my chest, my back, and my legs. And actually... I know, I was thinking. Yeah, you can go to She runs a burn camp. Yeah. Do. There's yeah. a camp for uh, burn injured uh, kids ages 5 through 17. Yeah, I'm used to wow. Fresno. And actually, we can get more information to you. We have brochures, and it's free. And what's great is he'd be meeting other kids that have been through the same situation. And that's what would be wonderful about it, besides having fun. <laughs> and at his age, and in his age with the seniors, the seniors have a, a rope course that they do, and they go uh, a river rafting, and they go Whoa. camping. So it's, it's fun. And what is that, a week? Or it's a week. Okay, we'll leave you alone. I'll get the eye compresses for you. I don't want to do too much to your eyes till the eye doctor gets here. Okay, I'll get it. You're so focused on getting out of the hospital and focused on doing the exercises and focused on all the different things that are happening that I, it doesn't hit you as much until you get out in, in the, the real world and start dealing with people. You know, we had a little few glimpses of that in the hospital. They set us up on a date so that Mark and I could get back to... Um, seeing what it was like to be together. So they set us up on a date to go to the cafeteria, which the food is just horrible, and <laughs> we can't eat the food. But we realized being out there, all of a sudden it was our first time being outside of the burn unit 
where the staff was looking at us and uh, you know, as somebody would say, oh, you're the couple who's on the burn unit. So that was our first time of being aware that people were, were looking at us. A lot of people stare or turn away when they see someone who's disfigured. What's it like to be on the receiving end of that reaction? At that time, it was very difficult. And it was, and the, the two things that people stared at for me were my lips blew up and got very swollen in the hospital and then they went down. So I used to have, I don't have it as much anymore, but I used to have a very significant white line and my lips were very uh, red and kind of chap looking. And I would have people say, oh my God, what's wrong with your lips? Or um, I had somebody come up to me and say, oh, you've got a really bad herpes on your lips. <laughs> and I just, you know, and it, and it was hard. That was, that was hard for me because my lips were very tight and and I could feel it when I would smile, and so I knew that that mm -hmm. had changed, and I knew uh, I had trouble putting on lipstick and things like that. I just didn't feel like myself, and I know when I looked in the mirror, I didn't. It took a long time before I could look in a mirror and see Joe Beth. It took a long time, and I remember that first time I looked in the mirror, and it was just the most frightening thing because I was so thin I, uh, and just didn't look like myself. So that was one area. The other was my hand, my right, my right hand. And it, this used to be a lot uh, redder, and the uh, I have a mesh graph, and it was much more pronounced. So I would see people staring, or they would make comments like, oh, my God, what's wrong with your hand? Or they would say, oh, isn't that funny? It looks like you sat on some mesh stuff. And at the beginning, it was, it was hard. I, I felt shamed. I felt like something was wrong with me. And... Uh, uh, I didn't know how to deal with it. I, and when people would make comments, I really didn't know how to make deal with it, whereas now I can deal with it a lot better. Why is it so hard for people who look at someone who's disfigured? Well, I would think it would be threatening to them. You know, I, I know for me what I don't like is I don't want somebody to feel sorry for me. You know, I don't want somebody to take pity on me. Uh, but I would think with other people, when you see something particularly with an accident of, of burns, it, may, it reminds us all how vulnerable we all are. We're all so fragile. We're all very fragile. Life is fragile. That's what this has taught me. The, I, that's probably the biggest thing that this accident has taught me, that your life can be one way one minute and just a snap of a finger, it just totally changes. And, and as I said, we woke up and we were going water skiing, one of my favorite sports, and, uh, and I didn't come home for two months. And everything changed. Mm. Everything changed. You mentioned uh, the first time you were able to look in the mirror, it was very difficult. How do you feel now when you see your reflection in the mirror? Well, it's been 16 and a half years. So it will be 17 years in July. So I'm, I, I knew you were going to ask me that question. And I was laughing because I was thinking I'm now starting to see the signs of aging. <laughs> so I thought that was healthy, that I'm actually, am I seeing that I look different now because I'm getting older, or is it the burns? I, I, I... I feel okay about it. You know, I I think the hardest time is when I try to put on some lipstick. You know, women wear the lip liner, and I can't really do that. I mean, that should be my biggest problem at this point. You know, it's not that big of a deal. But so to say that I totally see myself, I don't. I don't. But part of that is that I'm getting older, so it's hard to separate the two. And I think that's kind of healthy. I, I think we all have those <laughs> thoughts when we look in the mirror a little bit. 
I know you were raised to place a heavy importance on appearance. How has this experience altered your perception of a person's appearance? Yeah. Well, appearance in general, I don't, I think that I appreciate people for, I always have. I mean, I don't want to feel like I was that shallow <laughs> prior to the accident because I think I've always been really accepting of people. But I think I'm even more so. In terms of myself, uh, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. I'm not going to, and I don't think it ever goes away 100%. Uh, I have a very dear friend who we often talk about how we're having a burn day. He, you know, he was burned, and you know, every once in a while I'm having a burn day. When, when do those happen? Usually springtime when it's time to get into shorts and it's time to get into tank tops, which I do. But every once in a while, you know, you kind of look in the mirror and you go, there's scars there, and you know that people do uh, look at them, you know, that people judge them. I mean, we're living in this society with, uh, you know, all these movie stars that are across the screen, screen, you know, in these very thin bodies and perfect skin. So people tend to compare ourselves to all these magazines. And I think it's a really horrible thing that we're using that as an example of how people are supposed to look when, in fact, the majority of the population are just normal people with everyday um, scars. <laughs> Have you come to view that um, exaltation of beauty in a different way since the accident? Since the accident? I think so. I think so. I mean, I think that uh, I think I'm able to really see people for wh who they are and what they're able to give to this world rather than how they look. I'm able to see people and say, oh, that's a pretty person, you know, pretty woman and a good-looking man and, and appreciate it. But to me, it's really more who the person is because I also have to appreciate myself. <laughs> you know, I've had to look at myself and appreciate who I am and what I've become because of this accident. I think that, the, you know, this, is, this accident in a certain way has made me a better person. In what ways do you think it's made you a better person? Oh, just, you know, as I said, I, I think I've always been somewhat accepting of people, but I'm really much more accepting of different people. and uh, Regardless of whether they've had a disfigurement or not. Right. I mean, just in general. Yeah, just in general. And I think uh, it's made me, when t people are going through a crisis or stuff has happened to them, I feel that I can really be there in a different way and sometimes people are able to be there for me, actually, because I just understand what people have to go through. For an example, a friend who was recently diagnosed with breast cancer and what she had to go through in terms of the radiation treatment and just how people dealt with her, the comments that people made. It was easy for her to talk to me because of, of what I had been through. Hmm. So That's a gift. Yeah, I feel, I feel like it's a gift, but I feel like there's other people who have that same gift, too, who have been through things. It was six years after her accident that Joe Beth Walt learned from a television program about Champ Camp. It's operated near Fresno, California by the Elisa Ann Roosh Byrne Foundation for young people who have survived fires. Volunteer counselors include firefighters, nurses, and now Joe Beth, who one week each summer lives in a bunk with teenage girls at the camp, a commitment that has changed her life. 
The camp is uh, located in uh, a place called Wonder Valley, which is east of Fresno and the foothill of the Sierras near Kings Canyon. And it's uh, a, a really nice facility, actually. It's quite wonderful. They have horses. They have two different swimming pools. They have a man-made lake where the kids can do some canoeing and a little bit of sailing. And uh, there's about 160 to 190 kids that come every summer. What was your initial reaction to seeing a large number of kids who've been burned? That first summer was incredibly emotional. The, Mark and I had already separated at that point, but we were, um, we, we were together but separated. And he drove me to camp that first summer. And when, I, when he dropped me off, the, there was somebody I saw that was very, very burned who had been a, ca a camper, uh, but now he was a counselor. And I wanted to turn around and leave camp. I, I was just like, I can't do this. This is, I just can't do it. And um, what, what was so hard? I think when I see peop, somebody who was burned worse than, than I am, I, it, it makes me realize how lucky I am and what could have happened. Mm -hmm. I think that's what, what happened at that point. And I was just scared that maybe I just didn't have it in me to be a camp counselor. I was older, you know. <laughs> you know I, when I think of camp counselors, I think of 18 and 19-year-olds. I was in my 30s. So uh, that, we, we went through about a day and a half of training, and then the kids get off the bus. And I just remember I had, I had to wear my sunglasses. I remember I, because I, I, I just was crying seeing these kids. I mean, some of them limping, some of them you know, running, some of them uh, in garments, and yet they were all laughing and you know, just kids. And it was just an incredibly powerful experience to, to see them that here they had been through something so traumatic and yet they were jumping around and, and laughing and the first few days of that first year was really tough there were a couple of kids that I couldn't even go up and hug and there were counselors who hadn't been burned and they were able to be affectionate with the kids and I kept thinking what's wrong with me and I think it was threatening I think it was just downright threatening to me that you know here were these kids who had been through I had been through something traumatic and yet compared to these kids I hadn't been through anything what I've experienced was nothing. Is it just they had been so severely disfigured? Yeah, some of them. Not all of them. Some of them, yeah. And uh, it was, it just took me by surprise that here I was going to give to them and then here was this, as you said, this reaction. I was with the uh, 16 and 17 year old girls that year. And somehow by the second, third day, Actually, I do. I was called into a different cabin. They needed help with because uh, our girls were able to handle themselves on their own, and we had enough counselors. So I was called into this other cam uh, cabin, and there was the child that I had seen the counselor hugging and being affectionate with. She needed help putting suntan lotion on. Mm. She was really badly burned, and they asked me to put the suntan lotion on the child, and so I did. And it was like at that moment, it just all faded away, and everything just kind of clicked. And from that moment on, it was just, it was okay. It was okay. But it was a very, that first week, I always tell counselors there's nothing like that first week at camp. It's just incredibly powerful, what you see and what you feel and what the stories you hear about how the kids have been burned. Uh, I became very close with the girls in my cabin. So what kind of an internal process of change did you go through during that, that week that enabled you initially reluctant to be able to embrace people who, who really looked bad off? At that point, what happened that week 
was that I thought I had come to give and I ended up getting so much more in return. I saw the kids in tank tops and short sleeve outfits being totally free and I suddenly realized if they could do it, I could do it. Uh, the other thing is that prior to coming to camp, although I was definitely back into leading a normal life, I hadn't really found the old Joe Beth. And what happened that week is the old Joe Beth came back, the playfulness, the laughing, laughing. And I remember saying to somebody, I found my smile. So that when I came home, uh, I was freer with myself. And I was just absolutely a different person, just totally had changed and was more accepting. I cried every day that first year. Every day I kept trying to tell people about stories about camps and the little kids and I couldn't get the words out without starting to cry about them. But I was definitely a lot lighter. So from that point, I, I, I don't know in terms of accepting other people, I just know that at that point there was just a switch, I guess, in, a, in an acceptance of myself, which then probably, I guess, you know, made it easier in terms of dealing with other people in the real world. Now, you mentioned that you've worked with the adolescent girls at the camp. Obviously, adolescent girls in our society are tremendously pressured to look gorgeous. Mm -hmm. um, is it particularly hard for an adolescent girl to come to terms with her they seem to do it a lot. They seem to do it a lot better than I did. <laughs> they were incredible. I mean, some of the girls in there were just, they were just, but, uh, but a lot of them, I th think, the ones that I worked with had been burned younger so that they were a lot used to it. I have heard about a couple of the kids that have been to camp that haven't returned that were having difficulty, you know, as they got older and their bodies were changing. So I would say that it varies from child to child. You know, again, part of it, I think, in this whole process of burns and growing up is what kind of support system you have. Some of these kids come from very dysfunctional homes, uh, very dysfunctional homes, so they don't have the support. And then others come from very supportive environments, so I think that plays into it. Kids who've been burned um, do feel a lot of shame about their scars. How do you help a young person who's facing that shame to get past it? You know, my first realization about their shame was a child that uh, after camp, another counselor and I went to her house and took her out to a park. And this uh, young kid was with their mother and turned around and said, look, Mommy, look at that little girl and this whole thing. And I saw this... Um, child just cower. She just came over and just held on to me and she was just so uncomfortable. Mm. And that was really the first time. And uh, I think it's important, you know, when we stress this at camp, it's really not what's on the outside, it's on the inside. You know, and really talking about the importance of, you know, people and who they are and that if you meet people who are going to be treating you in a really uh, negative way, it's not worth your time to even be with them. The 
thing at camp that was always set me apart from some of the other counselors, not the other burn survivors, but the counselors that hadn't been burned. When the kids saw my burns, they immediately started opening up to me. Uh, at camp, we kind of have a thing that you don't start questioning the kids about how they've been burned unless they want to talk about it. And then if they bring it up, then it's, then it's okay. With me, they would just bring it up right away. Some, somehow your presence made it normal for them yeah, to Yeah, and they would, say, oh, they, they would say, oh, you've been burned. How were you burned? You know, and I would talk about that. And I think my role model of just being comfortable with who I am, that I have a job, that I lead a normal life, and they see that and I talk about that, just that alone I think is, is helpful. But in terms of the intimate discussions, and many times they're the ones saying things to me. <laughs> they would say, oh, your hand doesn't look too bad, or oh, you, you, you look pretty just this way, and I, I would always laugh like they're doing, giving me the support. For a lot of these kids, they're not hugged in real life. Maybe because of their dysfunctional home. Maybe in society, some people are afraid to touch them. And at camp, we have what's called e-hugs. Basically, A, being a hug that you hardly touch the person. B, you get a little bit closer. C, but by the time you get to E, you're really hugging. And we tell the kids they have to collect a certain amount of e-hugs every day. So there's a lot of hugging and a lot of affection. And I think that they see that they can just be accepted for who they are. Uh, you know, the kids come to camp, and, and, and actually, after a day or two, it's not about the burns. It's about the kid, and there are a lot of kids who, just because they've been burned, doesn't make them a great kid. They can just be, you know, <laughs> a difficult child that, you know, you're, or, you know, that you don't want to be around. So they just get to be kids, and they get to be accepted, and they get to be uh, treated because of who they are as a human being, not because of their burns. How about for you? What benefit do you get from participating in the camp? The benefit for me every summer is it's, it, it puts life in perspective. You know, you know, life goes on. Things happen. We all get ca caught up in our everyday kind of stuff, and I think we need reminders. So I think it helps put life in perspective. What does it remind you of? Not to take things so seriously. I mean, that I'm that I'm a very lucky individual in terms of who I am in this world, and in terms of what happened to me in my accident. I am so lucky what happened to me. You and mean in that it could have been so much more severe. Yeah, I have ten fingers, ten toes. I function normally. Uh, I'm very fortunate. Yes, it happened to me, but I'm very lucky. And I think we need to be reminded. I have a lot of trouble with people who are not able to look at their lives and see how lucky they are. Uh, you know, people who complain about, and, and that, not to take away from what people go through, but people do have to step back every once in a while and take stock of things. So the benefit is putting life in perspective. There's a benefit of, um, I don't have children in my life, so I say that these are my kids. So it's my one week of being with my kids. I've seen some of these kids um, from that first summer. They were five years old, and now they're in the senior group, and I've watched them grow up, and I love it. I just love coming back summer after summer, seeing how they're doing. I love them hugging me, and so I get a benefit of that. Tell me about the photos on your wall. I started taking pictures of the children in black and white. So I've kind of picked out different kids that have had an impact on me every summer. And there's always one or two children, a different child, every summer that's just had a strong impact in terms of their story or what they've been through. So I started a wall of these kids and I blew up the pictures and they are in my bedroom 
and I and I get enjoyment from them every day. I just wake up to them and I see these kids who have such a spirit. Sounds like quite a transformation you've been through starting out as someone who had trouble hugging some of these kids because they were so disfigured and now wanting to surround yourself with their images and having those pictures line the yeah. wall of your bedroom. Yeah, because I don't see the burns. I don't see the burns anymore. I just I just see who they are. I know their personalities and I've watched them grow, and it is a transformation. Joe Beth Walt, burn survivor and community health manager at St. Francis Memorial Hospital in San Francisco. You're listening to Humankind, I'm David Freudberg. Our program is presented by Human Media in association with The Network Incorporated. Studio recording by Bill Wangren. Editorial assistance from Brendan Tapley. Program development and support provided by Shart Media. You can hear more episodes of our series at humankindpodcast.org. That's humankindpodcast.org. This segment of Humankind is entitled Healing Our Scars with Joe Beth Walt. The executive producer is David Freudberg. Please subscribe to our free weekly podcast. The title is Humankind on Public Radio. You can find it at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all major podcast services, as well as through our website. Again, the podcast title is Humankind on Public Radio. And if you'd like to support our program, please visit humankindpodcast.org. And at the top, click on How You Can Help. Thank you.